Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Bob, how you doing? Good. I thought you had a different intro, though. Didn't you say something yeah. before the show about having a different intro? Oh, um, not a different intro. Er- it's a, a new oh. quote-unquote to our uh, to our live stream, meaning that uh, we've got uh, a countdown timer now. And uh, so it's right up there. Well, it was up there. Now it says we're live on. So. Oh, I see. I thought it was something to do with audio or something like that. Nope. Oh, I got it now. I got it. Yeah, it took Very some cool. tweaking to get the uh, countdown timer to communicate with uh, OBS, but hey, it works. So stay tuned because a little bit later, maybe about 30 or so, shortly thereafterwards, we're going to be going to buy... Tim Betcherer, he's an instructor at the Inosanto Academy in Marina del Rey, um, certified under Guru Dan Inosanto. So there we go. And uh, hey, you know what? Tim is watching right now. And um, our phone number for anyone to call to talk to Tim a little bit later. And again, our phone lines don't open till uh, about 6:30. Our phone number's down here. Where is it? Three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. And Tim, that's the phone number you want to call when it's around 6.30 or so. And when you call in, what's going to happen is um, you'll hear the show going on. Please press 1 to let us know you're in the caller queue. And uh, after our commercial break, PSA break, we will bring your mic up and we're going to wrap. I'm going to have a great time. So there we go. We got a bunch of people watching now. We got Stephanie Zimmerman watching, Michael Blackburn, Tim Betcherer, our guest, is watching right now. Janie larkin is watching. Rick Bear is watching. Of course, Tony Collins is watching. Tiffany Cortez. Hey, how you doing? Daryl Baker is out there. Rick Harrison. Rebecca Barron-Rogers is out there. Moni Velez and Robert Redfeather. Oh, my goodness. There's like 20-something people already, already with us right now. So that's very cool. All right. Well, let's get this show on the road, folks. Let's go. Unless... Wait, you know, we can't because Bob usually tells me what's been going on over the past week or so. We've had a last show. So what's been going on there, Bob? Well, well, like I mentioned before, it's been getting a little bit warmer in Cali. You know, it's been 
pretty cold last few days. Now, a couple weeks ago, we had a heat, heat spell when it was getting up into the 80s, high 80s, low 90s. Uh, now it's been getting out and dropping into the 40s and 50s. And today it was in the 70s, so it was a beautiful day. All the girls starting to wear their short shorts again, which I did, so I didn't mind that at all. You know, I was, I was enjoying <laughs> the view today while I was out. And you can tell when the wife's that. not home, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. Uh, no, I've had my, my, my granddaughter over. She's uh, supposed to get her cows off in the, uh, like the 8th of uh, March. And I hope it works out really well, and she actually does. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's Because she's starting to like me. She doesn't walk. She doesn't get rolled into the room and start screaming because I'm there. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I wish my daughter would learn how to do that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Right on. Yeah, t- I think today's going to be a clue. We got people just rolling on uh, right now on nice. the live. We got John Hedgespeth watching. Angel Fellows is watching. Wade Williams just joined us a couple seconds ago. So did James Stacy. Um, Jeannie, what's up? Jeannie, what's up? Anyway, um, Michelle Finnegan, you don't have a hold signal for your show. I tried to call three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. Keeps saying it's busy. What? Oh, what? I hope not. What three seven six seven seven zero six nine nine? Yep, that's. It shouldn't say that it's busy, because normally what happens, Michelle, is that uh, when you call, it says um, something like you for calling Blog Talk Radio. Uh, please press one if you would like to connect you to the show or something like that, um, and you actually hear the show. Go figure. But you know what? Let's try something real quick. Let's try something. Yeah. And you usually do it in that cute little English voice. People when you imitate the lady. You didn't do it this time. Oh, yeah. Thank you for calling Blood Pulse Radio. <laughs> you are now you connected go. to <laughs> Please press 1 to be connected to the show. Boop. You are now connected to the show. <laughs> Three, four, seven, six, seven, seven. Six nine nine. All right. Let me call it and see what happens. You call, calling it from your cell phone. Nice. What's going on? Oh, I guess it would help if I put the in call. All circuits are busy now. Please try your call later. Zero six two. <laughs> the fuck? Oh, this sucks. <laughs> it says three. <laughs> are busy now. Please try your call later. 062P. Holy crap! <laughs> you guys hear that? Holy crap! Now you were able to you were able to call me though, right? Yeah, I was able to call you. So I might have to, I might have call to Tim. call him. I might have to call him later. Tim, message me with your phone number, please. Message me with your phone number, and I will call you after our 
commercial break. I think that'll work a little bit better. That freaking sucks. I think I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a talk with Blog Talk Radio after the show. Her. Uh. Anyway, so Tim, message me your phone number. I will call you. All right, let's get on with the show. We we got birthdays. What do we have for birthday, Bob? On your end. Uh, let's see. Uh, on my end, today we have Joycelyn Liu and Ann Whitlock. On the 26th, we have Brandon Fillmore. Brand, I'm sorry, Brandy Fillmore. On the 27th, we have Jim Bolton. On the 1st, we have Harry Mock and Craig Car- Carter. And on the third, we have Rocky R. Twitchell out of California. Who do you have? I have uh, today my uh, Dose Pares and uh, Filipino Martial Arts Academy brother Bobby Edmonds is having his birthday today. Um, on the 26th, Matt Henderson, Travis Valle, Randall Collins, an old student of mine, and Grandmaster Odette Russell. On the 27th, we have Isabel De La Torre. Uh, and Dennis Jenkins on the 1st, March 1st, Tom Withers, another old student of mine. On the 2nd, a co-worker of mine at the uh, school that I teach martial arts at for PE, Morningside Academy. Shout out for Morningside Academy. Um, Our vice principal, Julian Geyer, is having his birthday on the 2nd. And um, on the 3rd, alongside Rocky Twitchell, we've got Aileen Alvarez, who's a... uh, uh, school chum of mine, uh, T. Locke, and Nimpokai Hombu and Acero Sevillano. Now, <clears throat> um, these two organizations are under um, Maestro James Loriega. So I don't know if the Nimpokai Hombu Dojo and the Acero Sevillano uh, birthday is for the pages, you know, when, when you, you know, make the page, or if it's actually James Loriega's birthday. So if it is Maestro Loriega's birthday, happy birthday. Just a wonderful guy. I learned um, Spanish knife fighting um, under him. So for everybody, having a birthday, the week of, what's the week? The week of February 25th through the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, the 4th? 3rd. When's the end of the the third. third. <laughs> this song this song's third. for you. Sing happy birthday to you. And may all your dreams come true. Happy, happy birthday.
I'm going to turn the mic over to Siku Bob here, and uh, he's going to tell us about next month's event, a big event at the Martial Arts History Museum. You bet. Uh, next month, we're having uh, the third telethon for the Martial Arts History Museum, and I think this this is going to put us on track for our annual event. Uh, this is going to be March 24th and 25th, uh, 11 to uh Midnight on the 24th and 11 and 6 on the 25th. So okay. far, I've got lined up uh, Lady Lillian Reed. She's going to do a demo. Uh, mm-hmm. Angie Bodman Sia, they're going to do a demo. And Hula, of course, you and I are going right. to do something. I, th- I think I think maybe maybe you and I and, or you or I can talk Kathy Long into doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have Mike Rivera back. Uh, We've got a couple musical acts Jenny's working on, uh, magicians Jenny's working on, uh, comics that Mark Holdley's gonna gonna set up for us. Uh, it's gonna come along really, really well. I'm looking forward to it. And nice. you've already got your ticket to come down and see us. Yes, yes, I do. I'm already booked and ready to go. I'm excited for this for the telethon. Um, these telethons, folks. Um, you know they're it's a it's a fundraiser, folks. Um, you know, as you know, or if you, even if you don't know, the Martial Arts History Museum works largely, if not fully, on donations. In fact, it's it's pretty much all donations, isn't it, Bob? It, you know, it's all donations if you consider the people entering, paying a, a, an entrance fee weekly or whatever. Those are also donations. Or mm-hmm. the people who buy memberships, like myself, those are also donations. Uh, and you've got people like Dr. Bob that donates once a year. He donates twenty five hundred bucks. Uh, and you've mm-hmm. got other people like John Corcoran that they dedicated the media room to. Uh, he mm-hmm. donates as well. And you've got other people donating things like Randy Helmsley out of uh, Norco donates one time I was there, and they had like ten cases of water delivered. <laughs> That's yeah. also a donation. Nice. You know. So, yeah, so everything operates off donations, whether it be water, food, monetary. Uh, it is a self-running organization, which means it it is self-sufficient, but it's all, only off donations. Michael no longer has to dig into his pocket to make the Good. thing run anymore. Good. Good. So consider coming out for the telethon, you guys. You don't have to stay, you know, like until midnight or anything like that. Come in, drop in, say hello, bring us some snacks. Hint, hint. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, listen there. You know what's really weird is the one comic that stayed, we we had the comics from like 6 to 8. One of the comics stayed until midnight. Yeah. Just hung out. Yeah, just That was pretty cool. It was, yeah, well, and, it was and I, I looked, you know, but I looked at the people around us, Rusty, and mm-hmm. I looked at her and thought, look who you're hanging out with. You must have one hell of a miserable life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Janie just I wrote thought, in. What, and what kind of existence could you have? Oh, go ahead. And Janie writes in and she writes, Bob. When I come out for Dragon Fest, are you going to take me out to that entry restaurant that you like to go to? Is it called Denny's? 
No, I thought we'd take her out to Bob's because they probably don't have one of those in uh, uh, Kentucky. Yeah, Jamie, you should come out to Bob's with us because that's, you know, it's burgers and stuff like that, but it's big bass in there. It's the old tiny 50s diner in there. It's it's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, and if we're lucky, we get a car show, depending. Is that only in the summer? That, no, that's only on Fridays, though. Oh, okay. Well, Dang. Which I mean, you, I'm not saying we can't do that. Now, Janie, when are you coming in? Wayne Riley's watching. How you doing, brother? Hey, Wayne. Wayne Riley's watching. Cecil Peoples is also with us. Um, well, uh, Milton Acevedo is also with us. Uh, I already. Oh. Janie says Bob's big boy. Well, put stitches over here. F I S C H E S stitches. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so come out, you guys. Um, if you want to do a demonstration, if you want to volunteer a demonstration, and perhaps get a plug for your school, your dojo, your dojo, your one, whatever, uh, Bob and I be there. We'll be doing interviews and live streaming. The whole telethon on Facebook Live for you guys. So just like last year. It was a great event last year. Lots of viewers tuning in. So, yay, that's pretty cool. So come on out. All right. Give the, can you give everyone the date again there, Bob? <clears throat> yeah, the, the date of the tele, well, the date of which. I'm sorry, we, back, we went back and forth. The telethon is 24th and 5th. The date of Dragon Fest is August 20, 20, uh, 20. You know what? 5th and 6th. Thank you. Okay. 5th and 6th. So Dragon Fest, that's the other big one. So in the summer, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to that's gonna be fun. Well, the, one of the funnest martial arts conventions on the West Coast. So there you go. <clears throat> All right. Um, I've got an announcement. This is more for our locals here in Seattle. Um, coming up on March 1st, this coming Thursday, is the Emerald City Comic Con. Now, Emerald City Comic Con is the destination comic and pop culture show for the Pacific Northwest. The um, Comic Con delivers the best of the comics and pop culture. Um, and the pop culture industry has to offer from the creators, bringing uh, super fans exactly what they crave, which are interaction and quality content, and guests, and an inclusive space to celebrate their comic fandom. Now, last year, get this, folks, Emerald City Comic Con soared to 91,000 fans over the la- over four days and, and featured hundreds of comic book guests, celebrity guests and uh, now I know some of my friends out here in Seattle martial arts are not comic book buffs I know I used to be when I was in high school and college um, you know get there now <clears throat> all the days except for Thursday are sold out sold out can you believe that okay so Thursday starts Thursday March 1st and goes uh, through Sunday, the following Sunday, at the Washington State Convention Center at 800 Convention Place, Seattle, Washington, 98101. Now, for ticket information and to buy tickets, and again, 
you're probably only going to be able to buy tickets for Thursday. Um, you want to go to www.emeraldcitycomiccon. That's two C's in a row. Comiccon.com. Emeraldcitycomiccon.com. There we go. All right. And uh, I think I think that's it for my announcements. you have any other announcements? Bob, where'd you go? I'm right here. Oh, okay. I said, do you have any? I'm right here. You don't have any announcements, right? No, just Dragon Fest we really haven't gone over, but it's the 25th and 6th of August at Pickwick Bank within Garden Hall. Okay. Uh, that should be a blast. Right uh, on. We've got guys coming out. Uh, of course, you know, this is the thing. Michael's made all these announcements, you know, about Joe Montana, Michael Jai White, all these people coming out. Usually they do, but there may right. be one or two that can't make it because they get make they get a paying gig. Like Lorenzo Lamas was supposed to make it, like to the first one, he didn't make it mm-hmm. because he got a gig. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. I hope Janie comes out a couple of days early, maybe we can do dinner and that sort of thing. You're coming out uh, Thursday probably or Friday. Yeah, well, uh, Thursday. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, it'll be a great time. So, yay, yay. That'll be great to see you, Janie. Uh, we got Bobby Edmonds watching. Hey, Bobby, I shouted out to you a little bit earlier when we announced all our birthdays. Happy birthday, brother. Uh, Robert Redfeather is also joining us, and he writes, looking forward to seeing you there. Um, and uh, I'm planning to do another Apache knife demonstration. Now, man, a telethon um where Robert Redfeather did his Apache knife demonstration, it was what five o'clock in the morning or something like that. But his demonstration had the most views. I think we had like 80 something people watching live at five in the morning. Meanwhile, Bob and I are bleary eyed. We've been up all night. I'd up like, you know, I don't know, like, like four hours already. And, it was really wild to see that many people awake, but, you know, when you're tired like that, you forget that there are other time zones. <laughs> so there we go. <clears throat> um, Janie writes, who is going to fill Cynthia's seminar during Dragon since she bailed? She is going to Japan. What? I, what? Cynthia bailed? What, Janie? What? Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Don Don Wilson is already doing a seminar. Then we need to we'll 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 figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out. Michael Matsuda, he figures out everything. <laughs> and Bob, I want to I want to shout out to Bob here real quick. So Bob, turn your mic up because I, I don't hear your mic. Turn your mic up because I'm gonna. Okay, my you. mic's up. Okay. Oh, thank yeah, you. I love guy. that. I thought that was my wife's job. <laughs> no, this guy right here whose picture I have on screen, you know, single-handedly, because I'm here in Seattle. I, I, you know, I can't do much of anything except do all social media, you know, blasting and stuff like that and doing commercials and, you know, doing audio, audio and video spots and stuff like that. But this guy right here up on the screen right now, single-handedly over the last two telethons, arranged for all of the performers, arranged for food and drink to come in continuously so that way visitors and us 
could have food. Um, and he also handled the scheduling for 24 hours. That's tough to do, folks. I mean, technically, you need at least three people to do something like that. Number one, to make sure people are coming in at their time. Number two, to be calling or checking in to make sure people know their schedule times and, and stuff like that. This guy, Bob, does it all and works right alongside Michael. Well, doing that. you know, Michael really doesn't do a lot. He's there. He shows up. He talks. He does that. It was really my wife that stood by me. You, and you know, she got all the food. She got all donated, right? Uh, yeah. Got And got a lot of musical performers. I take care of the martial arts and the comics. She takes care of the musical, like temperamentals. That was hers. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Big so, shout out to Jen. Get some thumbs up and some hearts. Hit the thumbs up and hearts and give it up for Jenny Deal, folks, because, you know, her and Bob, uh, I mean, she, she did a lot of work in behind the scenes even. She, you know, She's, she's one of those gals that doesn't prefer to, like, step out in the limelight, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I think she deserves a, I think she deserves a bunch of uh, thumbs up and heart. So hit those like buttons. Hit them. Hit them. Hit them. Hit them. Let's show Jenny some love. Hit those like And, of course, see, I look all calm, cool, and collected. They don't see that I am freaking the hell out on the inside. <laughs> Wondering when, if people are going to show, wondering how it looks on camera, how's the yeah. lighting. Uh, that, uh, it's sort of like doing this show, but for a full 24 hours straight. Yeah, it, it is hard. Like, you know, like Bob and I, um, I was going to say we used to, but like, you know, for the Masters of Fame, Bob would be freaking out. I'd be freaking out. I'm, I'm trying to, like, keep calm. You know, being um, you know, we're, we're on the board of directors, and we're trying to keep calm, make sure everything runs smoothly. So, Hanshi Dan Heck, uh, the CEO of the Masters Hall of Fame, doesn't have to worry about anything. Um, in fact, you know, sometimes we have to remember things, for him, and we're freaking out on the inside. But I tell you what, the second that doors doors the, the the doors open for each Masters Hall of Fame, everything just Come on in, folks. Welcome. And it, it just runs smoothly. But, uh, you know, after all the setting up and the planning and video conferencing and teleconferencing with people, you know, just it's just during the, the setup that Bob and I ever freak out. Um, yeah, you know what's funny is that, you know, you freak oh. out during and, you know, uh, during and before the telethon um, or Dragon Fest and I'm cool and collected until I get there. That's when I start going, okay, how are things going to work? Is my quiz set up? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Oh, I know, so, right? Because you've got to worry about running the equipment, and I've just got to worry at that point about standing there talking and introducing and da, da, da. And So we all have our freak-out times. That's right. That's right. All right, I think we got some. I think we got some likes and and loves for uh, for Jenny there. <laughs> oh, All nice. right, I know, she'll, right? She'll appreciate so, that. Yeah. So if uh, that's it for our announcements, uh, I think we should go on to health news. Oh, 
my health is here. Now, there's a health trend coming around you guys. And it's called stooping. You know, as a soup, stuff you drink, stuff you drink you eat. Um, and yep, just like the name sounds, souping is just soup. Now, apparently, there are slimming properties to this. So, what is the secret slimming thing about soup? Here's the deal. Binding water into food slows down gastric emptying, keeping your stomach fuller for longer. According to Barbara Rolls, who is a professor of nutritional sciences at Pennsylvania State University, who has authored studies on soup and its effects on satiety, and wrote The Ultimate Volumetrics Diet. Plus, she added the water soup adds weight and volume so you can have a satisfying amount without too many calories, which is funny that I, I found this in my news ticker right after I had a big steaming hot bowl of pho. It was awesome. Um, now, the weight loss benefits of soup have led to something called soup cleansing, which is a trend that has become increasingly popular over the last few years. In fact, according to Pinterest, Bing is one of the top 10 food trends for 2018. Uh, Rose Jimenez writes in, and she says, also, you can't soup a Big Mac. <laughs> that's, that's one of the slimming secrets. Hi, Rose. How you doing, girl? <laughs> anyway, soup can be a healthy and delicious way to create balance after a session of heavy, excuse me, um, Soup can be a healthy and delicious way to create balance after a season of heavy meals or even a particularly indulgent weekend, says Robin Forutan, a registered dietitian and spokeswoman for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. She says it gives your digestive system a chance to reboot and de-bloat. And unlike juicing, which removes fiber from fruit, Soup can help stabilize blood sugar for more sustained energy, especially when it includes tons of fiber-rich veggies, protein, and healthy fat. Now, these soup cleanses tend to have fewer calories than, than what you would eat on a typical day, which helps explain how pounds may drop quickly for some people. For example, calories for the cleanse day on, um, uh, on a website called Splendid Spoon range from 800 to 950, and breakfasts and lunches on the following five days contain approximately 300 calories per per meal, just 300. Now, let's compare that to a Big Mac meal. That particular meal almost carries as much calories as you would need for the whole day. It's almost 2,000 calories, right? Now, on another site, Soup Pure, the cleanses range from 1,000 to 1,200 calories per day, depending on the type of cleanse you choose. Such a low amount could leave you, though, irritable and hungry. It could be too low in calories for some people, but you can, you can always add more to soup or have an extra serving, says Robin Fortan. Plus, it's the quantity of the calories that count, or it's the quality, excuse me, it's the quality of the calories that count. The key, she says, is to include a lot of vegetables, herbs, and spices, along with proteins such as lentils, beans, or tofu for vegetarian options, chicken, fish, and bone broth for arbores and flexitarians. 
Flexitarians? What the hell's a flexitarian? <laughs> anyway, uh, Rob Coratan says, having only soup for a few days or only soup for dinner for a week is fine. She even does it herself. Um, however, you do want to pay attention to your body and listen to its cues. So there you go. Uh, we've got Robbie Lee uh, joining us. We've got Kay Chin watching, and he writes, hello from Seattle, everybody. Uh, Sensei Michael Bowser is watching, and of course, Rose Jimenez is watching. She's the one that says, you can't soup a Big Mac. <laughs> all right. So with all that, let's go on to the weird news. Weird news. That's the weird news there, Bob. You do know this is this is one of those weird news stories. At the end, I'm just going to lose it. I'm absolutely going to lose it. <laughs> this. Uh, I'm trying to see where. Okay, Newport, South Wales. This is where this comes out of. Firefighters okay. have warned of the dangers of mishandling tools after a man's genitals becomes trapped in a ring spinner. Now, wait, wait, what wait, a wait, ring wait, spinner is from the picture. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. What? Well, it, <laughs> what the okay, hell is a ring this, What? A ring spinner from the picture is a box wrench. You know, the kind with the, the hex heads to tighten with the closed end and one side with the open end. Now, what did he do with his ring spinner? <laughs> He caught his genitals in it. Oh, my God. Yes. Crews were called to assist Annie staff with a patient (laughs) at the hospital in Newport, South Wales on Wednesday. They had to use their cutting equipment. Now, wait a minute. Nobody says genitals and cutting equipment in the same paragraph. Oh, yeah, he, and he kept, 
But he kept re- reciting this poem. Righty, tighty, lefty, loosey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> that hurts. Okay. So, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> We're moving on to the entertainment news. There we go, folks. <laughs> I think. Where's my entertainment news thing? There you go. There we go. Now, here's something I've never seen before. (laughs) This is so funny. This family's full of idiots and cross-dressers and guys who gain weight and lose it again and girls having babies. This family's a nightmare. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West versus Khloe and Kendall Jenner Sounds like a face-off in the fashion world, but instead, it's all about game show pride. Mm. Kim's been posting behind-the-scenes footage of the family's apparent up-and-come, up-upping, up. No, it doesn't even make sense. Up-and-coming appearance on Family Feud, and it looks like most of the gangs there for the action, including Chris, no Courtney spotted. And Kylie's not there either, but that makes sense since she just had a baby. Kim says the crowd doesn't know who to expect before they take the stage. And the premise of this episode is Wes against Kardashians slash Jenners, which should make for good TV. They have never made good TV. Why do they think they're going to make it now? (laughs) Go figure (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right? Right? <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> that's funny. All right. <laughs> so if that's it, we're uh let's do this. Let's go ahead and uh let's uh take a short break and uh when we we will have Tim Betterer joining us right here um at the Ojo. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest for RAD. Over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver. That's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week. And the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it. So if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking, get the keys. Don't leave it up to anyone else. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Packers. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come to different conclusions. Half empty. Half full. But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live United. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. 
Greetings and welcome to the world's first and only Martial Arts History Museum. My name is Michael Matsuda. I'm founder and president of the museum. Designed as an educational facility, the museum is a fun place for young people and visitors to experience art, history, culture, and tradition and its relationship to the martial arts. Created as a timeline, it reveals how Asian history has had a unique and positive effect on American history. In just under an hour, visitors will be able to explore the culture and tradition of China, Japan, Korea, the Philippines, Thailand, and even Hawaii. You will be impressed with our section on the history of anime and the role Walt Disney played in changing the world. In our media section, visitors will enjoy reliving their past as they examine our historical timeline of martial arts in film, TV, and print. And as a bonus, visitors will get a thrill from our props from a variety of martial arts movies, including The Karate Kid, Kung Pao Movie, Revenge of the Ninja, Wendy Wu, Big Trouble in Little China, and many more. From Anna Mae Wong to President Theodore Roosevelt, to Bruce Lee to Avatar The Last Airbender and the Ninja Turtles, the martial arts has not only transformed American history, but it changed the world. The museum is a fun and exciting place to visit for the whole family. All the displays here were designed by the artists from Disney, DreamWorks, The Simpsons, and Halloween Artists. If you are part of the Unified School District, head up a homeschool, boys and girls club, the Boy Scouts, or even church groups, your kids will have a fun time experiencing different cultures and Asian history. I know that there are many great museums out there for our kids to enjoy and explore. Now you can put the Martial Arts History Museum on that list of places to visit. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show, your source for martial arts talk radio. Hey, everybody. We are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk TV with Rusty and Robert. We're running just uh, about 10, almost 15 minutes uh, behind. Um, we were supposed to go to break at about 30, but uh, I guess we started talking about people getting their packages stuck in ring spanners and stuff like that. And, you know. <laughs> so, what, was that commercial new? Or is that uh, old yeah. one? Well, it's a, it's a, it's it's a mix of an old one, and I added some video from um, a video oh, yeah. that Michael did. Yeah, so there you go. So it's our new commercial of the season. So let's do, this, folks. I really want you guys to start talking to our special guest Tim Betcherer. So we're gonna go ahead and give him a call because apparently if people try to call in, it's just that the line is busy. We're gonna check that. I'd like for us to check that a little bit later. So if you're a friend or a student or anything like that um, of Tim's, try, try calling at 347-677-0699. Our phone number's right down there. So let's get a call here. <clears throat> let's see. Let me get to my phone dialer here. Uh, da, 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 da. All right. Here we go. Uh-uh-uh. I hope I wrote that down right. Let's see here. All right. 
silent. Here we go. Hey, Rusty. Hey, Tim. Hey, thanks for joining us. Doing pretty good. My pleasure. Yay, you are live on Dynamic Dojo Talk TV. Um, you know, one of these days, I'm going to figure this out, how to get everybody's, uh, everybody's uh, webcam all put together. But right now, um, we're going to have to work this way with the audio. So, without further ado, this is Tim Betcherer. Um, he's from the Inosano Academy in Marina Del Rey, California. So, what we normally like to do, Tim, is uh, to get in their own words our guest uh, uh, story about how they got started okay. in martial arts. How did you get started in the martial arts? What drew you to the martial arts? Oh, well, let's see. I always liked them as a kid. Uh, I was born in 1969, so, you know, fortunately by the time I was kind of aware and watching TV and movies, there, you know, there was Kung Fu, what they've carried was on television, Bruce mm-hmm. Lee films. Um, there was, I think the the precursor to HBO was called something like Channel 100 on cable, I remember, and I remember seeing like Black Belt Jones with Jim Kelly back-to-back several times, and um, so that's kind of where my interest came in, and then around, um, I think it's one of these, you know, atypical stories of being bullied and uh, deciding, okay, I need to do something about that. Unfortunately, a, a really good friend of mine uh, from that grade was had already started at a local karate school and had said, hey, why don't you come down here and train? And my dad said, okay, well, I'll sign you up for the summer. And so he went down with me and paid for three months, which I got the free uniform with the three months, which, you know, good deal. Nice. And, and, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and then after that was, you know, it was all on me. And, uh, so, you know, back in the in the days of the early 80s, uh, a, a young boy could get a paper route. So that's what I did. Got a paper route and paid for my lessons and, and been studying ever since. Wow. Nice. Now, you have a you have a, a, a very nice array of, um, of things that you've studied. Um, I mean, oh, short and root, there, yeah. um, that kind of thing. So why don't we just mm-hmm. go ahead and start there for now? Um, okay. You started in uh, Shorin Ryu, and how long did you study that again? And how was the how was the training in that? How did you like um, that? Well, I I started in that art uh, Okinawan art, and the uh, lineage was from um, from Master Shimabukuro, who just uh, unfortunately passed away mm-hmm. here. I think the end of last year, like November of last mm-hmm. year. Um, my instructor was named uh, Ulysses Owens, and very fortunate enough to kind of reconnect with him actually just relatively recently and uh really good art. He was a trainer of PKA kickboxers at the time as well. So he, he also mm-hmm. trained, I think he was Michael Nunn's first boxing coach. So he had this kind of um, kickboxing uh, thing going on there too. So we have these professional fighters and then we have the traditional class as well. So I was doing both actually. So it was a really good thing to get oh. in there. And uh, the interesting thing about that school is at that time we had uh, a guy teaching Kung Fu. We had a, another guy teaching Taekwondo and another group doing an art called Shurinji Kempo. And so mm-hmm. we, we kind of had what was unusual for the time, a school that had several different arts in it. 
And I didn't get to study all of them per se because you'd have to pay each individual instructor this. But in the kickboxing class, a lot of those guys who wanted to be fighters came into the class. So there was a lot of exchange there, which I think was kind of unusual for that time because, you know, most people would grab one art and kind of stick to it back then. And if they studied something else, it was almost secretive. Um, but we were kind of open about it, which was, was pretty cool. Um, my instructor was uh, a very talented guy. I mean, he was ripped. He kind of looked like, you know, Bruce Lee's physique, very muscular and toned, but he was a real nice guy. So he's like one of these people that could, you know, kick your butt, but you know, he wasn't very, um, he wasn't very type A. So he wasn't like in your face or anything like that. So that was the kind of instructor I got used to. So that's, that's what I tended to gravitate toward after that as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was great training. I mean, for me, it was kind of like one summer of training, and getting taller, and then all of a sudden bullying pretty much. Yes. Right on. So, um, did you, you know, at the, you know, at age twelve, um, studying shonen mm-hmm. you and kickboxing, um, did you mm-hmm. find that the two melded together, or that your um, instructor um, taught them both in such a way that one didn't interfere too much with the other? How did how did that work? <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. It didn't feel like there was an interference. I mean, you know, like a, a traditional martial art, uh, like Shoranru, where you'd have the kata, you know, you'd put your hand on your hip for the punching and stuff. But he pretty much said once we got into sparring, you put your hands up uh, to protect your head. So, you know, as as far as the, the movements, um, I, I don't think there was any, any contradiction. Uh, footwork was definitely a bit more fluid with the kickboxing, but, you know, the Okinawans, the karate systems tend to be a little bit more shorter footwork anyway. So I, I didn't find anything that was overly conflicting. In fact, I, I think I found it more complimentary. You know, I looked at one, oh, nice. it's certainly sort of this really neat looking art and uh, really fun to do as far as the kata. And then the other one I found, you know, extremely practical, like, okay, my hands are up. I'm used to people punching at me and kicking at me. So, you know, that training became a bit more realistic and was, was really good. I mean, considering, I was a kid, and, and there was no kids' classes. They just put kids in with the adults. So, you know, I had these professional fighters, men and women, just punching me dead in the chest, you know, at 12 years old. I'm like, okay, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. <clears throat> Very cool. So, Bob, you have any? Uh, you want to start off with a question of your own for Tim? Well, yeah, Tim, how exactly – now – so people get into different aspects of the arts for different reasons. Through you to JKD, how did you get introduced to it? How did you start with Guru Dan? Oh, Bob, that's a great question. So after uh, high school, I moved away from the area that I grew up in, and I ended up in Florida in the Tampa area and was looking to train. And I, I thought, well, let me continue my studies in Shurinru. And I couldn't find anybody who taught that. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to start in something new. Let me look around and see if I can find something that I was interested in. And ended up finding a guy that taught JKD in Cali and called him up on the phone and talked to him. And it turns out he's about maybe five, six years older than I am. So we got along pretty well, you know, with a lot of the same music interests and that sort of stuff. And I went out and watched his class that he was teaching at a community center on tennis courts. And was kind of looking at the way they were training, and uh, it was a lot of, you know, reminded me of the kickboxing. They're hitting pads, they're 
kicking pads, a lot of, you know, partner drills. And I thought, you know what, this is something I've wanted to do. This looks great. I, I want to give it a try. So I got studying with this guy. His name is Lauren Bookbinder. And studied with him for probably four or five years there in Florida. And uh, went to Miami after that to, to finish up my university studies. And after graduating from the University of Miami, I came out here to Los Angeles. And I thought, well, I want to continue studying Jeet Kune Do and Filipino martial arts and Muay Thai. And uh, thought, well, let me find an instructor. I, I thought I'd find an instructor under Guru again because I always had thought that the Inosanto Academy was farther south, like in Carson or Torrance, which is a little farther south than where I live. So I went to their website and saw it was Marina Del Rey. And I'm like, wait a second, that's three miles from where I live, so let me go there. And so I just called up found out when they were open, kind of went down, went through the interview, uh, took a, a class and decided that's what I wanted to do and where I wanted to study, and that's how I ended up there. Oh, very cool. You know, I used, I, I studied uh, Jeet Kune Do with uh, Ted Lukai Lukai back in the day. Oh, wow. Back way. <laughs> I think Guru <laughs> Ted's been day. gone from us for about 20 years. Back in the day. Yeah. That's how you know you're getting old, Tim, is when you start using phrases like that. Back in the yeah, day. Yeah. I, well, I'm, see, you I'm know, back myself. in the day means 70s and 80s, because that's what I consider <laughs> back in the day. You know? Is yeah, that's what you say. <laughs> I, use those, I use that term now, too, so I guess that means I'm getting old as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're only you're only four years younger than I hate to break this to you, Tim. You're only four <laughs> years younger than I am. Oh. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, that means I'll follow now, your lead. If, if we're old, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, something came up yesterday, Tim, and I want your take on this. Some, okay. I don't know how to put this delicately. He posted just, something on YouTube. I, uh-huh. Yeah, I know. When have I ever put anything delicately? He posted <laughs> something on YouTube. You you, you know the foundation of, of Jeet Kune Do, or the start of it was Wing Chun. The trapping, yes, uh, not so much the footwork, but the trapping and so forth. Right. This guy came out, a JKD instructor, says Wing Chun will never work. And I thought, you know what? It close. depends. <laughs> like any art, it depends on the practitioner. I'm not going to say oh. that to Samuel Kwok. He'll kick the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that to, guy, to yeah. Wong Sun Long. You know, what What do you think about people making bold-ass statements like that, that are uh, are an opinion? Yeah, I mean, well, opinions are, I mean, what, what's the old term? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has them, I suppose. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's not, not to be starting any crap with anybody, but, you know, basically, you know, I well, think an informed not. opinion, you know, uh, the, the thing about the Internet is it's allowed equal access for everyone, you know, and unfortunately – you know, a person who doesn't really have a lot of expertise can now speak on the same level as someone who does. And, um, you know, an informed opinion is always better than an uninformed one. And, yeah, I mean, my experience and the experience of all the instructors that I've had, they've all said the same thing. It's It boils down to the person, not to the art. You know, you have those exactly. questions all the well, time. Exactly. You know, what gonna, threw me off for a loop, Tim, was, was the fact this guy was a Jeet Kune Do practitioner and an instructor. Ah, 
Well, there's a lot of them out there. I now. was like, are I you mean, kidding? <laughs> there, there are. There are. And, it, you know, it's an opinion. We have never – and this is why sure. one of the reasons Rosalind and I started the show was to open it to everybody. You know, we're not – there are a lot of radio shows out there, and some of them – not that they're one-sided. They're great shows, but they right. focus on the art of their study. We are – Of course. And, we, we've had every, every art I, I could even imagine on it. Uh, sure. So you you live really close to where Guru Dan, so you you transplanted to Los Angeles in the Westchester yes, Marina del Rey area, right? Uh-huh, uh, yeah. What kind of a process did you have to go through? You said about an interview process, which I find very interesting how he conducts it. Can you take us through oh. that? Um, well, it, it was basically you know you fill out a, a form with your your background on it and your goals and what you're interested in and uh and then someone sits down and looks over that and they usually sit and ask you questions and I think the main thing is they're just trying to see if you're one of these people that's going to come you know show up in a, a game of death tracksuit you know and and uh <laughs> jump around and make Bruce Lee noises you know or, you know they're just you know they're looking for that or they're looking you know to make sure that you're not some bruiser that's just coming in to to try to, you know, beat people up or, or that kind of thing because, you know, it's it's um it's a tribe down there. You know, we take care of each other and, and we've got people of all walks and all ages. Uh we have kids, you know, and everything. So it's you know, we, we wanna help each other grow and learn in a safe environment and so we you know, we try to sort of look out, make sure we don't have people that are uh looking to hurt people or a little unstable coming in there. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So it's just not a complicated now, process. Now, it's just uh... a... <laughs> now, does Guru Dan still teach a lot of the classes himself? Oh, yeah. He teaches uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He teaches uh, everything, both including the kids' classes. Um, he'll start usually 5 mm-hmm. o'clock in the evening with the kids and then teaches everything on in the evening. And the same thing, uh, he teaches a Thursday morning class and then teaches all the way uh, uh, in the evening as well courses and then he teaches the kids on Wednesday as well. So he's very active you know, with, um, with teaching the, the he's, courses. He's so. probably Tim, in my opinion, he's probably one of the most unusual men uh, dedicated just one of the top martial artists in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I, I can't say enough and you know the thing is uh, that we are such a small community even though we're so large, we're still small. I have yeah. never heard of a harsh word. I have never heard a harsh word said about him, ever. No, and the interesting thing You're is, not. you won't hear a harsh word from him either. <laughs> it's kind of the, the right, cool thing about exactly. Him. You know where you hear harsh words about Frank Dukes or John Claude oh, sure. or or yeah, Steven yeah. Seagal, but you've never heard a harsh word. About him, and I've got a funny story really quick before we move on. There's my wife and I go to the Starbucks every morning. There's a guy there uh, that I can't even look at without laughing because he looks like <laughs> the t- telephone repairman that Bruce Lee played in Chinese Connection. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to the T, I can't even look at this kid without just yeah. starting to laugh. He's got the glasses, he's Chinese, and it just looks <laughs> And the hat, it just looks funny, you know? Right. Yeah, and it is a baseball cap. And it's a good uh, thing. You don't want to laugh at him because he might take you outside, pick you up in a rickshaw, and throw you down the alley, right? 
<laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, and that you've learned through Grodan or through his instructors, or through Paula. What is what art have you been drawn to? What what is what do you think your specialty is? Oh man, that's a well, that's a hard one to say because you know the 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 more you do it, the more you start seeing the lines between them disappear. So I almost don't look at separate arts anymore. I look at separate maybe histories as to where these things are coming from, but but not so much separate arts because I mean I don't even it's hard to see the line where something like Holly and Seelot separate from each other or even Muay Thai and parts of Seelot are similar or uh, there's a Cambodian art we've been looking at recently called Pradal Sari which is similar to Muay Thai and it's almost like in that place on the pie graph that's between Panantuk and, and Muay Thai because it's got some similarities okay. to both and, so I, I think all you know all the Southeast Asian arts I really love. Um, you know the Junfan arts are phenomenal, of course. You know one of my first draws. Uh, all the Filipino martial arts, which I, I definitely better say because I have a wife from the Philippines, so she'll <laughs> she'll get me. Yeah, and hopefully she's really not too close to hear you talking smack. Uh, <laughs> That's right. uh, no, you know it's it's interesting you say that because you're absolutely right. The only difference may be now you've got a stick in your hand, but when you're doing empty right. hands, it's very – that line is so fine sometimes. Are you doing Kali? Are you doing Jeet Kune Do? Are you doing Pantukan? Right. right. You know, and I, I, I like you. I was drawn to the Jun Fon Arts as well. I like the hands-on. I like the trapping aspect. I always have. But Definitely. to mix those with the gun thinking arts. And you know what's, what's strange – now you you studied of course directly with a with a Filipino grandmaster. I I studied with a white dude down in Chinatown. Now the reason <laughs> I say it like that is you know I I studied with somebody who studied you know he's Mark Stewart, which I was under for a long time. Studied with Guru Dan and oh, studied wow. with Guru Ted. Mm-hmm. Now the reason I say that is because there were some things that were watered down in language so much. I didn't learn what certain things meant for 25 years after I after oh, I studied yeah. with Mark. Something as simple as the word gunting, because it was always explained right. to me as defanging the snake. I did not know right, it meant right. scissors, and then it made sense. And that was right. only like three years ago that I learned sure. that. Well, it gets you know, more, more confusing, uh, too, is all the, all the dialects in the Philippines. And, you know, my, my wife's actually right. been... Uh, helping Guru Dan with that because she's both Visayan and Tagalog fluent. And then there'll be words that he asks her about. She'll say, oh, no, that's not even that's not even either one of those languages. It could be something else, you know, because Guru had 36 instructors and many of them spoke different dialects. So there's there's a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff with the vocabulary that's still um, somewhat mysterious. But, you know, it's been fun to research for sure. Oh, absolutely. And this is the one thing I've always admired about Guru Dan. He has gone anywhere to learn anything from anybody. If somebody had something to oh. show him, he would sit down and shut up and listen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is I'm so unusual. Somebody, uh, uh, his level, some of these instructors have been studying half as long, but they've got something for him. He'll sit down and listen, which is so cool that he's so oh, open-minded. Yeah. Now, absolutely. what, what, now, you, you're drawn to the John Fawn arts. We've we've decided, you know, there is that line that that 
is so close between all the other arts. What do you like to teach? Oh, wow. Uh, boy, I like to teach anything and anything that uh, people are willing to to uh, learn. I mean, at the academy, I teach um, I teach the kids' class on Saturday. So that's a blended class, and that's fun. I mean, we throw everything and anything at them to see what, you know, what sticks, and they're, they're amazing learners, uh, kids. They, they put us adults to shame, really. Um, mm-hmm. Then I teach a class at 11 o'clock called MMA, which is, I think, realistically the old phase class, you know, a blended class. It doesn't really mean sport MMA, but we can add that in there if we want. It's pretty much uh, instructor's choice on there, you know, what choice of the different arts that we have at the academy, and I, I tend to show kind of a mixture of stuff. Usually I teach more range work in that class, and then I teach the um, JKD Level 1 on Saturday, which uh, used to be uh, Sifu Yori Nakamura's class uh, before he went to Japan. So, you know, no big no big shoes to fill there or anything. So uh, Yeah, no, not at all. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, not at all. So that's that's my, uh, the regular classes that I teach, and then I I substitute for classes here and there, and I I really do enjoy teaching uh, everything. Now, nice. one of the coolest seminars uh, that I'd ever gone to, I was up in uh, Tahoe. This was probably, oh God, it was before I no, it was right after I had Brandon Rusty. It was so that was ninety five. I I went to a, a seminar with Mark Stewart. Edgar Salite and Larry Hartzell. Uh, now, that is an all-star group right there. Mm-hmm. It was. It was just amazing, of course. We've lost two of them so, so far. Yeah. Uh, but it was really funny because Larry had somebody well, tied up. He's and, one of my Facebook friends. I hope he's listening. <laughs> I, I hope so, too. Him and I have been friends <laughs> for almost 30 years. And, you know, Larry had somebody tied up. And it was funny because you know how if you tie somebody up or if you've got somebody in a trap and you, you'll, you'll say something like, go ahead, try to hit me with the other hand just to show right. that they're immobilized or stuck. Larry had somebody tied up, and I swear this was so funny. I thought I was going to die laughing. He said, go ahead and hit me. And the guy looks at him and said, no. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> he just said no. He yeah. refused to. Now, what was it like? Because Larry was a tough guy, nice guy, but what was it like training direct under under uh, uh, Sifu Hartzell? Oh, that was great. I mean, I, I was very fortunate. Um, that was one of those happy accidents of going to the academy, and the very first class that I took after signing up was his class, and I didn't even know he taught there. And out he comes to teach the class, and I thought, oh, my God, bonus. Larry Hartzell teaches here too. And uh, I got really lucky within a few months he had opened up a sort of a semi-private group and it was me and about three, four other guys that were training with him about 15 hours or so a week. And uh, this was the last about two and a half years he was with us. So he wasn't kind of the young, big bruiser guy anymore, but he was more the, you know, the wise Yoda kind of guy. But he still had his form and his uh, technique and his positioning were just so good that I remember him putting me in just, you know, a sitting back arm lock. Before he even sit back, he's got the arm bar on. And I'm tapping, and he's looking at me, and I'm thinking, oh, crap, I've got to let him do this farther, you know, for the demonstration. And uh, it, it, was, it was amazing 
Um, the craziest ones, though, I remember he put me in blocks where your feet would be trapped, your hands would be trapped, and your face would be stuffed in the ground. And you're thinking, okay, I've got no way to signal him that I'm, you know, giving up here. I can't yell mate, I can't hit the floor. I'm just hoping he stops before he kills me. And fortunately, I'm still here, so we know that. Uh, <laughs> that we we know the outcome, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, now he he, you know, he went into a different different aspect than most of them did. He went into the grappling arts. But now, yeah. was his his specialty was it entry to grappling, or how did he mix it up? Okay, so that, there's an interesting thing. I think most people kind of know him as a trapping or grappling guy, and yes, he he did he right. certainly did those things. But I mean, his boxing, his kickboxing was amazing. So his structure, he was a journeyman boxer for a long time, and he, um, in fact, he used to teach me all the time. He said, you know, your arms and legs are longer than me. Don't fight like me. You need to fight more like Muhammad Ali. You know, finish people off more long distance. And I'm thinking, okay. Uh, but yeah, it was everything came off of a uh, kickboxing structure. So that's how he would he would get into his grappling. You know, that's pretty amazing because he had such big arms for him to be able to punch as fluid as he did was was pretty outstanding, if you think about it. Even though he had short legs, he knew how to use them. But he's right. In in retrospect, you don't fight your opponent's fight. You fight your fight against your opponent. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's really the story of him getting into grappling is is quite interesting. I mean, he had, I think judo and wrestling were two of his first things that he had ever done. But uh, in the, the Kempo days, when he first met Guru Dan and they were studying with Ed Parker, he was known as a, a amazing kicker. He, he had these um, killer spinning heel kicks, and I've got some old photos of him actually kicking so high and he's touching his thigh to his face. You know, which is not something you think of Larry Hartzell doing, and then he ended up uh, in a car accident that hurt his hip, and he couldn't kick so high anymore. So he reinvented himself as the grappler. So it was like his second forte, and uh, and that's what he ended up getting known for because he you know was able to explore that area a bit more. It was like you know the un- most undeveloped area, or the the new area that that Bruce Lee was looking at, and so unfortunately when he passed away, they hadn't developed it as much and you know some of the guys probably didn't even know it existed because um, it was you know kind of late in the game so I think you had to be one of the people studying with uh, Bruce Lee late in the game to, to even have um, worked with that uh, set of I think it was like 33 or 34 grappling techniques that they had they had uh, kind of made part of the, the key to the or the, the canon I guess at that time and then you know Larry and right, right. Dan, on that after now, one thing I'm interested in, because you know the lineage better than I do, who is still with us, other than Guru Dan, that studied with Bruce Lee? Do you know? Oh, that actually studied with Bruce Lee. Wow. Um, gosh. I think Kareem Abdul-Dabar, of course, is still alive. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, you know, he, he didn't live far from the academy, actually. Every once in a while, uh, he pops in. Um, let's see. Gosh. Uh, well, you know, I think, uh, you know, it was interesting. When I was in the Philippines, I actually, um, Mike Stone, the, the karate champion, lives there not far from my wife's uh, family's church. And I actually kind of dropped in and said hello to him and, and met him and talked with him. So he's still around. He he worked with, with Bruce Lee a bit. Um, That's but right. He said that most, 
stuff was sort of philosophical. They didn't do a lot of like punching and kicking, but they did a lot of uh, talking, I guess, so to speak. And then and Chuck Norris worked with him, obviously. I see Joe Lewis has passed away. Um, gosh, I don't know. So, you know a lot, I, I think uh, uh, Taki Kimura is still alive. He's 90. Yeah, Taki is alive, 90s. right? I uh, just uh, went to a seminar yeah. that we had at uh, IMD here a while back. Unfortunately, Seifer uh, Richard just passed uh, this last year. Um, right. Gosh, I don't know. Beyond that, you know, a, a lot of the L.A. Chinatown guys have been uh, we've been losing them of late, so I have to probably go through a photo and see. I think I, I think Dan Lee is still alive, maybe. I think he was one of the people. That's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was funny. One of one of my friends out here, Carl Totten, said he hung uh-huh. out in Chinatown in front of in front of Bruce Lee's school for a whole year just to see him, try to see him and never saw him. But that's how oh. he met Guru Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Never something would 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 peek through the 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 mail slot and try to get a, a, an eye of the class and couldn't do it. And Dan, when he entered the school, Dan actually went to throw him out because it was oh, wow. a private school. Right. Wow. That was back in the day. That was that was a long time. Now, Rusty, you had some things for 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 Guru Tim. Yeah, we um, one of our viewers uh, wrote in Mike Wonder, and he writes uh-huh. Tim. Do you teach classic forms? Do I teach classic forms? Yeah, classical. Um, Good question. Classical yeah, forms? No, I, I think the last form work. Do you mean like in in any arts themselves? Because uh, like Sean Rio, I, I did kata, I but I haven't done it for yeah. so long that I don't think I could pull one off. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I can I would, remember. I, I, guess, I might remember one I would guess one. He, I would guess that's what he's talking about. But I'm guessing that he's uh, um, wondering about like the wing twin forms or you know any anything oh, like that. Um, That's what I'm guessing. Correct if I'm like wonder I, talking about. I would be a little bit. Uh, would be a little bit shy, I think, to show like I I kind of know Seelin Tao, but I I don't know if mm-hmm. I know it well enough to teach it uh, yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the. Uh, what we call the Jun Fan sets on, on the Wing Chun dummy. So it's the, the first 10 sets that uh, we practice in the academy. And they're, they're similar to the Wing Chun uh, 108 movements. Uh, they're very close because that's what they're derived from. But um, Bruce Lee made some modifications. And I have to actually sit down with a Wing Chun practitioner to actually even you know compare and see what those are. Um, yeah, but that'd be about... Yeah, that'd be about it. I guess those dummy forms would probably be the closest to to a classical form of something that I would teach. Nice. All right. So uh, I'm gonna talk to uh, talk to Michael right now. So, Michael, was that what you were looking for, or, or was I getting the context wrong? Let's see what he says. <laughs> Are you there, Michael? All right. Now, um, Tony Collins writes in, didn't uh, Ricardo Montalban study with Bruce Lee, too? I know he studied <laughs> with Grandmaster Ed Parker. I don't know wow. what FG yeah. stands for. I don't know what the F stands for. I'm just talking Grandmaster Parker. So, Ricardo Montalban, welcome to Ricardo Montalban. 
otherwise known as the <laughs> Khan from Star Trek and the uh, Mr. Rourke from Fantasy Island. Yeah, welcome to Fantasy You know, Island. that's right. I'm glad I'm talking to you guys. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're old enough to remember right. that. Well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Replaced, replaced, yeah. <laughs> you know, that I'm not exactly sure. I'm not I'm not sure what the whole um list of like Bruce Lee's celebrity students were. Um I wouldn't doubt that he had, uh, especially, you know, back in in the sixties. Uh, Bruce Lee was training a lot of people in Hollywood. And uh I remember in fact I remember an episode of Fantasy Island where they had a guy who was like a martial art master and I think Mako was on the episode and Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow. I know that, right? Wow. I have to go look that up now. <laughs> well, I'm looking it up well, right now. Yeah. Let's see. Uh Ricardo Montalban, blah 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 blah. Uh oh, let's see. Wait a minute. Let's go to Pinterest. Let's see if it'll um but I don't know. You, you know, I'll get. I'll look that up later, Tony. <laughs> Probably all <laughs> yeah, of us will look post. at <laughs> Yeah. Now let's see. We have another question coming in through the ticker. This comes from Russ Ebert. Russ asks, with the popularity of grappling, do you find yourself modifying the way you teach to cater your students? Good question, Russ. Uh, to to cater to the students that are looking for grappling. Yeah, I, especially anytime we're teaching something, uh, teaching like JKD or I'm teaching my um, mixed class or I'm teaching ranges, I certainly, yes. Uh, there are, we take into consider uh, a person who might not want to grapple, but you have to be aware of a grappler, so you're going to have to right. learn how to use your kickboxing against a grappler. Or mm-hmm. uh, if you are dealing with someone with better hands and feet, you might want to you know, hit them with a planet, so to speak. You might want to drop them on the ground. <laughs> so, you know. I love that. I love that. Hit them with the planet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not my invention. I've seen it in a couple of wrestling things and a couple of judo things. So I'm, I'm, I'm stealing it from somebody, but it's, it's too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see it in memes. <laughs> All right, let me double check here to see if there are any other questions. Oh, wow, your answer got a lot of likes. So everybody's like, I'm so glad I could busy everyone. I mean, you know, looking up this whole thing about Ricardo Mandelman and stuff like that. Let's see here. Georgette's watching. I think she went away and came back. Welcome back, Georgette. All right. So for anybody that wants to talk to Tim directly and ask him questions, try giving us a call. Um, 347-677-0699. Again, that's uh, 347-677-0699. Now, earlier, our our phone lines were busy when people would call in. Um, it, it would give a message like, all oh, phone lines are busy. Oh, Can yeah, I heard it? that. You're having some kind of weird technical thing. Yeah, I, you know, I've never had that happen where all phone lines are busy. So I guess all the blog talk radio hosts are are jamming on their shows too right now. But give us a call if you want to talk to Tim, 347-677-0699. So while yeah, they we're, should be all out making soup after that thing you said about soup. You know, that was that was sound of There vacation. you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 
I found that story right after I had a big steaming bowl of pho. And I was sitting there going, oh, my gosh, this is so good. And I'm going through my phone, and I'm like, okay, what's the health news ticker? Oh, look, souping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. All right, so why don't we do this? How about um, I'm going to just throw out some names that you are familiar with and because uh, okay. these are all people that you've studied or, you know, arts that um, that you do. And how about you tell us your first about okay. Uh, about. Okay. How about, well, actually, you know what? Let's back up a little bit. Um, you study a Cambodian art, and, and forgive me if I say this wrong, Pradal Sarai? Yeah. Did I say that right? Okay. Pradal Sarai. Uh-huh. Pradal uh, Tell us a little bit about Pradal Sarai, because I don't all of our viewers know what this Cambodian art is. Ah, well, it's very similar to Muay Thai. It's uh, Pradal Sarai means uh, free fighting. And, of course, you know, with the history of Cambodia, with the Khmer Rouge, a lot of the martial artists were killed, essentially. So, you know, you find an authentic Cambodian martial artist, and you've found a treasure. And uh, wow. this was one of um, one of Guru Dan's finds, actually. And uh, he started studying with this man named Omri Bon, who's about mm-hmm. 72 now, I think. And um, actually, I was part of a team. We wrote an article in Black Belt Magazine over this last summer on him and the art itself. And... Um, it's, he was a champion in Cambodia in the 1960s and the 1970s, and he's kind of referred to as like the Muhammad Ali of Cambodian kickboxing. So he's pretty famous within the Cambodian culture and uh, community. And the the thing that was probably good for him is, you know, TV wasn't a popular medium at the time, so most of his fights were broadcast on the radio. So when the Khmer Rouge mm-hmm. came in, they didn't recognize his face. No one knew what he looked like, but they knew his name. So he was able to kind of, you know, play it off that he was a farmer and not this famous person. And he was able to hide in the mountains and escape that way. And he ended up going through Mm -hmm. Thailand and then into the Philippines and then came here. And his school in Long Beach, I think, is the first Southeast Asian kickboxing school in California. Wow. uh, And he. Yeah, so he, he's been around a while, and he's been training some champions, and he still trains fighters. And um, Guru Dan's schedule had opened up, and he said, hey, I want to go train with this man, and, and um, asked if I'd come down with him, and I said, sure. So I went down and, and um, was uh, kind of helping out for a while, and then they said, okay, well, here, throw on some gloves and hit some pads too. So I started training with him and been training with him ever since. Very, very uh, really great art. It's, again, like I said, very similar to Muay Thai. They really like to put a, a lot, of, or at least I would say Master Amre's camp likes to put a lot of emphasis on elbows and knees. He's had something like 200 knockouts in his fight career, and 70% of oh. them were elbow and knee. Wow. So what the, yeah. it's, uh, it's similar to Kai. I know. Just getting mm-hmm. knocked out with knee is bad enough. I know what that feels like. But, you know, to get, like, yeah. <laughs> out with an elbow – yeah, you know, if it's uh, you say it's very similar to Muay Thai, um, what would be a few differences between Muay Thai and Pradal Sarai? Uh, camps that I know, and again, you know, it's hard to say kind of a blanket thing about a, a kickboxing art because sometimes you know fighters and camps have different emphasis. But the um, Cambodian art, like I said, I think they're a little bit more into the infighting. Um, Amre would always 
say, you know, that the the ties are great kickers and he doesn't want to stand out there and kick with them. So he would like to, to get inside with elbows and knees. So, you know, it's they like to clinch more. They like to elbow more. They have uh, some throwing. And, and I think uh, one of the, the differences he said as far as the sport, I think when you in Muay Thai when you throw a guy down, you get one shot, maybe one kick. But with Cambodian, they just kind of keep kicking until a ref st- tells them to stop. So they kick a guy on the ground. It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when and de- knock him out, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let me pull up another uh another uh so It's kind of neat. There's a, there's a lot of that um popping up on YouTube. There's a lot of uh Pradalsari. I think, you know, if people are interested in that art, they can um just put that in YouTube and they actually find some pretty current fights uh with mm. that that sport. Right so all right. Okay, first thoughts on Balintawak Eskrima. Okay. Uh, Balintawak, very uh, interesting art, very educated hands. Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost like a like a Wing Chun with uh, the stick. Um, yeah. I've had the, had the, the uh, blessings to, to work with three different Balintawak uh, masters, um, two kind of from the Saavedra line, so Master Virgil Cavada, also Grandmaster Attilio, and mm-hmm. then um, also working with uh, Grandmaster Nene, who I believe is from um, the Velez line of the uh, mm-hmm. Walk. And so it's it's interesting because it's it's um, one of those Escrima uh, systems that has a lot of rivalry in there, but you know I think those barriers are coming down a bit, and uh, people are able to train with more than one without getting in any real trouble. Um, yeah, I think it's it's now, definitely a, a <laughs> yeah, it definitely is now with the younger people because you know I do dosai pares and for those of you familiar with uh, from the Filipino martial arts, you know Balintawak is kind of a split kind of yeah. a off of dosai pares and there's been a long time rivalry I guess you know and I studied with Grandmaster Kakoi and yeah you, know, you never mentioned. <laughs> you know, it's scary to do no, so. Okay. We never did. But, you know, I found that, no, that, was, that younger people are more, hey, you know, let's just play, you know, kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, Grandmaster Kako is nice. I, I visited him while I was in the Philippines in 2014. And that was, I think, the second question he asked me is if I knew who Grandmaster Attilio was. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, am I, am, I, am I in trouble here? And I, I told him, yeah, and and uh, he said, oh, he said, I understand that he, he teaches at the you know, Santo Academy. I said, well, he does, you know, seminars there once a year. And he said, okay, and he laughed, and he patted me on the knee, and he told me jokes for 20 minutes straight. So I thought, well, yeah, I guess yeah, whatever yeah. this is isn't a big deal to him, so that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a, yeah, I, I, I miss him terribly. And, yeah, when you visited him, it was, um, I'm trying to remember when uh, my people and my business partner went out there. We went out there in 2012, and um, then I went out again in 2015. And I don't remember, but yeah, one of these oh, days wow. I think we should get a big crew together and just go out there and just. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know, I think it'd be a fun nope. thing to do video. What do you call it? A compilation of, you know, where we go around and look. Oh, of course. Uh, I've got, I've got uh, in-laws just a 
short boat ride. Oh, do you? It's, it's not, it's, oh. Yeah, it's not hard to talk me into going over there. Yeah, my wife's in the hole. There you go. I know, right? Ride from, uh, no, I bet. So, okay, this is, just, this is just out of, like, weird curiosity. So, like, let's say you're walking around. Uh, do, you, do, do you normally visit your, your wife's um, uh, town or provinces mm-hmm. a lot? Okay, so do you still get people that look at you and go, my God, he's a big dude? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a rock star on that island. I was, when I was there, it was I was probably one of about four foreigners that I'd seen, or or five, and I'm I'm, I'm six foot four, so I'm towering over yeah, everyone there. Yeah. And it was it's great. She would drive us around on a motor scooter, so she's driving. I'm behind, so it looks like here comes you know Karen with her big you know bear, you know pet <laughs> bear on this thing. It's like a totem pole riding down the street, and little kids would come running out going, "Hello foreigner, hello foreigner." It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, partner. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So we've got, we just got um, another question that came in through our ticker. And Russ Ebert writes, Tim, so with so many influences, what is your recommendation of a best workout in a regular routine or training session? Great question. Oh, workout. Okay. Well, uh, if you're wanting to get a good workout, I would say, you know, kickboxing is a Great way. Any any kickboxing, Muay Thai, Pradalsari, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, any, any good kickboxing because that'll learning how to punch, kick, knee, and elbow as hard as you can for your size mm-hmm. and learning distance and timing. I think is probably a great base skill to have if you're going to have any kind of like mixed martial art background. You know, if you're going to take more than one art, I, I would certainly you know take uh, have kickboxing as as a base in there because it's a great workout as well it'll it'll give you good bone density from the contact you know with pads mm-hmm. it'll give you strength it'll give you flexibility and it'll give you a cardiovascular conditioning so i i find that it, you know just if you're going to pick a workout that's a good workout right on i just want to send a shout out to uh some people that uh just joined our uh, broadcast. We've got uh, Noel Languman just came on. Uh, Julio Estevez is also watching. Uh, the one and only Malia Bernal is also watching. And Rose Jimenez is back. Welcome back, Rose. <laughs> I guess Rose had to go do some work. Uh, Georgette uh, Barbosa is back on with us. And I think we still have our uh, uh, other people. Let's see. Uh, Peter Chan uh, is also joining us. And uh, everyone's saying, hi, Malia. Hi, Malia. Hi, Queen Noel. Hi, Queen Noel. So anyway, okay, let's throw another name out there or an art. And uh, okay. let's see where we go with that. Uh, Sistema. Sistema. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the more controversial ones uh, out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of those It's hard to describe. I, I probably had um, – probably maybe half a dozen lessons or 10 lessons in it. I've uh, studied with Martin Wheeler in at the Academy of Beverly Hills. Um, so probably one of the, the best known guys here in the United States, as far as Sistema goes. Um, it's certainly an art that, that takes a lot of um, punishment online, I think. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's hard for me to comment on other practitioners. I, I know uh, specifically with Martin because I've uh, studied with him and it's a, um, it's a, pretty good class of people um it's a little private group and um i mean martin's put this stuff on me and i'm not one to fall over and i'm and i'm bigger than he is and he knocks me down with it so it's it's pretty real um i i don't even know how to describe it to be honest with you know you know how to explain it other than it 
it's uh it's almost like JKD in a philosophy of that it's not a system with any real particular movement. It's more about relaxation and it's about stress inoculation. And these are the things that I'm getting out of it that I that I'm finding very useful for me. I don't think I would ever end up looking like a systema fighter because I have too much already in my tank, but I use a lot of what I've learned from him as far as the attribute training, and I think it's made what I do more effective. Um, Mm. So I I think it's something that is worth exploring, and I know it looks strange and funny and odd, but, you know, I I think he told me once that, you know, if you can figure out what they're doing, it's not Sistema. I'm like, okay, Um, fair (laughs) enough. Uh, So it's one of those things I say – you know, I, I hate to, to watch people chop on it, you know, people that have never tried it. And mm-hmm. I really advise, you know, if you have an interest in it, go try it because it, it is nice. pretty fascinating. <laughs> nice. See if uh, Bob's still on the line with us uh, so that we can ask some questions. He's, uh, I've taken up <laughs> some time. So, Bob, <laughs> let's go to you, my friend. Well, I uh... took up a lot of time prior. Uh, <laughs> now, how do you how do you cater to to the kids? What, what t- tell me a little bit about the kids class? Uh, how do you cater to them? How do you develop their skills? And what's the youngest kid that uh, uh, is enrolled? Wow. Okay, that's a good question. So I, I'd never really taught kids before, and um, the guy that was teaching on Saturdays, guy by the name Alvin Katakuta, and he's got his own uh, kids program called Shield Karate, and he started getting busy with his his thing, and he's a fantastic kids instructor, really hard act to follow. But uh, Simu Paula, uh, Gurdan's wife, had called called and asked me personally to take it over. So, you know, your your answer is yes, you know, when, when somebody important is asking you to do the, the job. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, all right, so what do I do? So I went in and I watched Alvin for about a month or two. And, and uh, the youngest in the class is about four. And the oldest, I would say, that comes on Saturday to mine is probably around maybe 11. Um, through Dan's kids' classes during the week get a lot of kids, ranging from 4 to 14. Uh, but our Saturday class is usually about 4 to, I would say, 10 or 11. Um, what I try to do with them is, you know, the best thing to understand with little kids, you have about a five-minute window of attention span, so you need to change things up pretty quick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that you know I and the nice thing is since we do a lot of different arts it's great. Um Guru Dan tends to work them on say Tuesday and Thursday mainly with striking arts and then Wednesday is is dedicated to grappling and sometimes um Professor Gary Padilla who's our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach at the academy will work with them in Jiu-Jitsu sometimes coach Kenny Johnson of Bolt Wrestling comes in and works wrestling with them. Um, Professor Hey Diego has come in to work with them. So, I mean, these kids are getting, you know, this all-star treatment of instructors, which is pretty amazing. So on mm-hmm. Saturday, what I try to do with them is review everything. So I, I take them through some striking. I take them through some C-lot groundwork. Uh, nice. We'll even do things like agility ladders because, you know, they like doing that. I'll have them run through an agility ladder and then do a four count on a bag at the end of it or something like that. And then I have them do um, – jiu-jitsu at the end for maybe the last 15-20 minutes. Now, I'm a little sneaky because the next class after mine is jiu-jitsu, so I've got the jiu-jitsu students filing in 
and Professor Gary a lot of times, and I'm like, hey, and if you're nice, maybe the jujitsu people will come in and help you, and we usually get some help, so that's kind of cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> very cool. Oh, yeah. that's very cool. But, very, you know, with the, cool. the small ones, if they get the gross motions, I'm pretty happy, and then, you know, as they get older, I, I try to give them a little bit more uh, technical feedback and, you know, reassure them that if I'm giving you a correction, it means that I think you're ready for that correction, and that's a good thing. And um, I, I think it works out. I mean, you seem to get pretty good feedback from the kids' class. Right on. Well, that's it. That's important, uh, that kind of teaching, where, where we first concentrate on the gross motor movement and bring on the correction. Um, because, you know, I've met many people that try to mold a child, like six years old, in, um, with too many details. And, um, yeah, too many corrections, yeah. Too many corrections, too many details, you know, too yeah, yeah. perfect. And um, it, it's refreshing to know that uh, uh, other instructors out there uh, teach like that. But cool. Yeah, oh, they'll, right. they'll mimic it. They'll mimic yeah. the movement, you know. And then the other thing I like to do with them is there's, you know, particular drills that we keep consistent. And what I do is have them come up and lead it. So let's say we'll do six All rounds right. through something we call the, uh, the Leonard Trigg boxing drill. And so I have uh, them do it three times through in the left lead, three times through in the right lead, and I have the kids come up and lead it. And, I mean, the four-year-olds will come up and lead it. And uh, I get feedback from the parents saying, oh, that made, you know, so-and-so's day. They were happy the rest yeah. of the day because they got to drill. So, you know, I think that kind of thing is great for the kids, too, because, you know, you're trying to build character with them as well as a skill. Exactly. Um, let's throw another subject out that your thoughts on it. How about, um, Bondo? Bondo. Oh, hey, that was a good pick because I just did a, a seminar yesterday with uh, Grandmaster Bob Maxwell from, um, from the right. Art of Bondo. And, um, we were playing with the Kukri. And so we're nice. doing all these draws. These were like live blades. It's the first time I've sat in a room full of people with live blades swinging them around. <laughs> it got a little, uh, it got friendly and very focused to say the least, but uh, good group. A lot of my uh, Innocento Academy brothers were down there, brothers and sisters were down there. And uh, it's a really interesting art. It's another one that's, you know, the more I look at it, the more um, complex into in what all it has i mean you know it's got stuff that looks like karate it's got stuff that looks like kung fu with the animal forms and then it's got weaponry um and it's got big long swords that were used to take down elephants back in the day and then you know the kukri's a shorter weapon but you know it can hack an arm off pretty quickly um yeah it's a it's a, another one of those arts it's kind of rare but really neat to go see and uh unfortunately they've been having some of their uh greats retiring or, or passing away like um professor john collins just passed away i think last year and he was one of the top bondo guys in the in the country but um like grandmaster bob maxwell still teaching um michael may here in california uh and um dr g i think dr g may have retired now but you know, who knows? Maybe he'll come out to the you know, Santo Academy and do something for us again. Nice. We have some people uh, writing in uh, in regards to the uh, uh, discussion we had a little bit earlier about kids' classes. Um, Russ uh-huh. Ebert writes, Russ Ebert writes, yeah, with kids, 
people giving kids too many details. This goes the same for adults. He said, he writes, good Lord, 15 minutes. <laughs> too many details. And Janie Larkin Miser, who also teaches kids, says, you know, give only one correction. And once it's fixed, go on to the next. Right on, you guys. All right. Yeah. Uh, we've got about 20 minutes left to our broadcast. So um, I do want to ask a little bit about um, uh, Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Tell us about it. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, that was it was an interesting thing. I had someone ask me to write up an article uh, a long time ago, a couple of years ago, um, for some online magazine. I was like, sure, write about anything I want. They said, sure. So I wrote this article on um, how to be a good training partner because I, I think, you know, it's really important. Um, you know, your training partner is probably your, your most valuable resource when it comes to training martial arts. And so right. I, I gave them this article, and they're like, oh, I was looking for something on MMA or whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not exactly said anything. And so I thought, well, you know what? I could make my own magazine. Why not? I do a lot of research, and I like to write. I've got a background in television, in editing, and uh, photography, and shooting. And I thought, you know, I've, I have all the elements to make a digital magazine if I want. So my training partner, uh, Christopher Bruce from the Academy, uh, and I kind of just kicked around the idea and said, yeah, let's let's see about doing this. And um, so right now what we have is a social media presence. We have a Facebook page, and we do a lot of sharing of um, stuff that we find out there that's interesting. And mm-hmm. we're creating a little original content as well. And um, we're looking to at some point launch this into an actual subscription-based magazine as well. And we're kind wow. of looking for the best way, to, best way to do that. We're not sure if we want to build out an app or if we want to use more of a, a WordPress shell. But, um, yeah, we're figuring that, that end that, uh, out right now. But in the meantime, it's not really slowing us down from, from putting stuff out there and making it available. Um, hmm. The idea of the magazine, you know, our inspiration is, you know, people like Guru Dan, who is 81 and is still out there training and, you know, working as hard as he did when he was 41 and 21. And Mm -hmm. we thought, well, okay, well, how do we all do that? How do we all get to continue training until we're in our 80s and 90s and 100 years old? And so not only will the magazine focus on martial arts study, but also on health and diet and uh, things like that. You know, we'll talk to acupuncture people and, body workers, physical therapists, you know, anything that we can find that we think is going to be helpful to the martial artist at, at different ages, um, we're going to research it and we're going to share it. Right on. Very cool. And um, if they wanted to um, look up your channel on YouTube, they just type in Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine? Yeah, Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine or Malmag, M-A-L-M-A-G. Uh, right now okay. we've got a few things on YouTube. We've got um when uh uh God, well, we were out at Cold Steel for one of their parking lot sales. So we went out there and, and Lynn actually uh did some stuff with us and uh we got something I think from one of the uh, mid autumn uh moon festival uh Chinatown things and I think uh one of the Filipino Phil uh, Am art festivals. So we try to, you know, go to stuff that's even cultural, do little segments. So, yeah, there's there's some stuff up for people to see on YouTube and then the uh, Facebook page as well. Nice. Awesome. Um, 
one last thing, and uh, this is an open question, like so I guess it's for um, anybody out there that's uh, watching um, and can comment on the on the Facebook feed, and for us three also. Um, another question. Do you feel that adhering to one martial art is more important than learning as much as you can from many people? Are there pitfalls? Awesome question. Again, a great question oh, from Rusty. Great question. Yeah, let's start with you, Tim. What do you What do you think of that? Uh, well, I guess <laughs> I guess if we look at my history, I'm I'm uh, obviously in the camp of learning uh, different arts. Um, I think where it's kind of a question, you know, you ask yourself, what what am I looking for? What am I looking to do? And if you're looking to, I think, make yourself better, there is uh, looking at everything is an important thing, is whatever you can get your hands on. If you're wanting to pass on an art, then, you know, you're looking at, okay, how do I best be faithful to those arts and since I teach several um, I I kind of take on that hat too where I go okay here is here is this art as it's been handed to me here's insights that I have in it and so you want to you know you give respect and you give um, credit to where credit is due you know you say where things are coming from um, and so you know you can you you know it's kind of a you you have to really find out I think figure out what it is that you want. Uh, I know some right. guys that are strictly yeah. FMA guys that I train with you know here at the academy and they're they're amazing guys, amazing mm-hmm. artists. Um, but you know once you start looking at a lot of arts, you start you know um, finding kind of what I was saying earlier that those the lines between them that these names start really kind of blurring and getting grayed out. Where you go, oh, okay, you know, I, I don't know whether this, when I, you know, smack this arm down, is this a Wing Chun or is it Lot or is it Kali? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What about you, Bob? Um, I wonder if his mic is unmuted. What's your, what is your thought on Russ's question? Well, that's a great question. There's a lot of uh, trained thought on it. I know talking to Randy Williams, Randy Williams believes in not studying multiple arts and one getting really good at it. Mm-hmm. Martial arts has always been the arts of expression, self-expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the arts we train in are similar and dissimilar all at the same time with, like Jim said, that fine line that uh, uh, separates them. It's mm-hmm. up to the individual. Do you want to specialize or do you want to go the mixed martial arts route? Do you want to study the Kali and the Zila and the kickboxing and the Muay Thai and, the, and, and whatever you want to study? It's all about expression. I feel it's all right. to the individual. Nice. Very cool. Um, well, to answer Russ's, Russ's question for me, and, and for those of you that are just tuning in, let me repeat Russ's question, Okay. Um, Russ writes, um, do you feel that adhering to one moral art is more important than learning as much as you can from many people? Are there, are there pitfalls? Um, and I don't know if we address the pitfalls yet, um, or the possibility of pitfalls, but, um, you know, I'm someone from another, from the same camp, you know, I've, you know, I've got instructorships right. in, uh, several martial arts, um, 
and I and I teach them all. Um, and I kind of have to I kind of have to agree with both Tim and Bob on this one. Is that um, like Tim said earlier, kind of have to look at your study as what do you want to get out of it. Um, but you know, if you're looking to, I want my own dojo or clone or you know stable someday. You know, you're going to have to you know get to an advanced level to be able to do that, right? Um, I think that, you know, if you have no martial art training and train at like, let's say three different gyms at the same time, that's going to get, that's gonna, it could get a little difficult to separate. Yeah, that's your pitfall, yeah. Yeah, that's a pitfall. Um, now, I did karate for about 20 years I decided to take up kajuken. However, I did a lot of research and, um, you know, now videos and stuff like that during that time to kind of get a feel for the flavor of as many martial arts as I could because I knew that later on I wanted to do something different, right? Not necessarily like completely change, but to add on to my repertoire, put more tools in my toolbox, so to speak, right? And um, I'm one of the believers in that, you know, if you want to if you want to really get good at another in another market to establish a good foundation in the art that you prefer um, as your main study at the moment, right? I I believe in you know trying out as many martial arts as you can until you find one that really resonates with you and sticks with you and something you want to, you know, stick with um, and get a good base in that. Um, and then go out and get other tools for your toolbox. I was uh, actually talking to uh, um, one of my students the other day, and I said, you know, if we took a hammer out to Mars, you know, and the Martians are like, what the hell is that? What do you do with that? And we look at them and go, what do you mean what do you do with that? You know, it's something we take for granted. They don't have a context. So if you show them what the hammer's for, right, then they go, oh, well, you know, anything that is capable of being something similar get the same job done. And that's why I went out and studied martial, uh, martial arts because I just wanted to know how to use other tools the same way as a hammer. To do the same thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. But the only pitfall I can think of is that, you know, if you go right into it, you know, trying to learn, like, let's say, BJJ and a traditional art, and maybe, uh, like karate, and then maybe kung fu on Saturdays or something, it's it kind of it weird if you don't have a, a foundation in one. A foundation, to, right, um, yeah. A, a, jump, a jump board or a single board or something, that kind of thing. Um, Eric Dutra. Hi, hi, Eric. How are you? He writes, our school is karate, but we learn little bits of many different art forms. Our sensei brings this to us, so we are well-rounded in our training. I find it very interesting to learn other um, other martial arts, even if it is in small bits. So, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, we only have about, what do I got here? About Five minutes left to our broadcast, so I'm going to bring the over to Bob and see if he's got any last questions or comments for Tim or 
Um, okay. I do, and he may have given permission to this. I was wondering if we could maybe uh, talk him into doing a JKD demo at the uh, upcoming um, Marshall Museum Telethon. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I, my, my end cut up a little bit. I didn't hear all of what you said. <laughs> oh, how convenient. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was wondering, and you may have to get permission to do this, but would you be inclined to do a JK demo at the upcoming martial arts museum telethon on either the 24th or 25th of March? 24th or 25th of March? Oh, well, that would be awesome. Uh, is that in Seattle? It's in Burbank. No, it's in Burbank. Oh, oh in Burbank. Oh, yeah, well, certainly, yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah, that that would be Absolutely. cool to get a KKD demo. I mean, we have uh, we have Cat coming out to do a demo. She doesn't know it yet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking if she's going to come out, she'll probably you know tell me that I have to come out, and then I can't tell Coach no because she'll yeah. knock me out. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm going to try to get some uh, some. Uh, me and Bob are going to try to get some other friends out there and stuff like that. That would be awesome to have a JKD demo. Um, I don't know if you would need a dummy. You can just pick on Bob. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I can, I'm sure I can get a few volunteers on my end. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people. you can. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, bring you know some people um, from the Inosanto Academy and and stuff like that. Just uh, that that would be wonderful, and we could all hang out. It would be badass. Yes. We'll hang out. Absolutely. So um, any other comments or questions out there, everyone? We've got about uh, uh, less than five minutes to our broadcast. So I'm going over to our Facebook viewers out there. Uh, Janie says, I'm going to bow out. I'm getting a word. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Bitterer, for sharing your knowledge and experiences. Good night, all my brothers and sisters. Um, 25th of March in Burbank, that's something to um, be amazing. Yes, Russ, if there's any way you can come up for the telethon, um, just, you know, just to hang out and uh, just kind of see what happens for a fundraiser, that'd be cool. But definitely August, I forgot when Dragon Fest is. Um, in August, 25th Dragon and 6th. There's too many something dates going on in my head. That's why I'm forgetting them all. <laughs> Eric, uh, I was in Burbank just yesterday. Uh, they have an awesome um, martial arts museum. That's right. We're talking about the martial arts history museum right now, Eric. Um, next month, the 25th and the 25th, or the 23rd and 24th of those tw- that weekend, <laughs> is the Martial Arts History Museum Telethon. Um, and we're inviting all of our friends and all of our colleagues in the martial arts from near and far. You don't have to be from California to come out and uh, check that out, uh, both the Telethon and Dragon Fest. But if you can't make it to the Telethon, definitely come out in August for Dragon Fest, turning into one of the most comprehensive martial arts conventions on the West Coast. So come out to that, folks. Well, all right. Um, Oh, Eric Dutra says, terrible spell check, Martial Arts History Museum. I got gotcha, you, Eric. I got gotcha. you. He wrote Marriac. 
Marriac Arts Museum there. And I, I knew what he was talking about. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, well, wow, what a what a great show. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining oh, us. Now we always wanna we always wanna end with the the last word coming from our guest. Um and um for any young people that are watching the show and uh I know we do um uh, sometimes we have teens or young adults that watch the show, not not only us, you know, old boogies and stuff <laughs> watch the show. What advice for martial arts? Let's say they don't have any experience, what advice would you give to them if they said, Hey Tim, I'm looking at getting into martial arts so what would you suggest? How would I uh, the main you? thing is uh, the main thing is look for a place that you're having fun because you're never going to stick with something that you're not enjoying. And uh, I've enjoyed every minute of my training from the time that I started uh, until now. And it's because I found the places that I fit, you know, so you, you look, um, most places will let you go and watch a class and you'll get a feel for it. So, you know, go get a feel for the art and the instructor and the group that you really feel you uh, gel with and have a good time. I mean, like I said, just yesterday, we're swinging these live kookeries around doing this crazy stuff and we're giggling like a bunch of kids. And I mean, you have to, because you know, what you're doing is quite psychotic, (laughs) which it would be if you were (laughs) laughing about it. You know, it's like we're practicing slicing people up with a kookery. And if you're not laughing, you should be a little bit worried. But, you know, if if you're laughing and having a good time, then, then, you know, you found the thing that you like to do and the place you like to do it and the people you like to do it with. Right. (laughs) Well, and we have um, just one more question. Um, Okay. What is one, What's one message that you would give to martial artists? That one takeaway that you would like to stand above all the rest in the next two minutes. <laughs> if you, there's one thing, if you had like a dying message that you would give to martial artists, what would you give? Um, I would say, you know, uh, use the arts to make your make yourself a better person. That's the one takeaway I'd get from it. You know, you just find that that's your that's your place. That's your heaven, you know, in martial arts. Definitely. Amen. Right on. Right on. Bob, any uh, last comments from you, buddy? No, I think we're good. We had a great conversation. It was a, it was a great show tonight. Yeah, it was. A lot of people chiming in and asking great questions. It was so awesome. Indeed. So, thank anyway, you guys for all yeah. turning in. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and taking a couple hours out of your schedule. My pleasure. To be yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Yeah, you bet. And, uh, I hope to be seeing you soon next time I'm yeah, back yeah. there. In, well, uh, drop me a line. We'll talk about that demo. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely, I'll have, uh, definitely. I'll have Accept my friend's request. Okay. <laughs> I will there do. There you go. Have to talk with Bob because he's going to be the coordinator for the group okay. that's performing. Anyhow, good night, Tim. Good night, Bob. Good night, everyone good night. out there that was, uh, that was watching for making it a great show. Without all our viewers, we couldn't uh, do this today. So if you like uh, some of the content that we have or all the content that we have, go ahead and press that like button as far as it's concerned. And if you don't like the Dynamic Joe Talk radio page yet, feel free to hit the like button on that. 
and uh, get the latest news and updates about the coming shows. All right, everyone. Talk to everyone next time. Stay tuned on the Tennis Dojo Facebook page. We're going to be talking about you next week. Bye, Tim. Bye, Bob. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye.